This is Truth Encounter, a program that over the last several months has been challenging you to open up the last book of the Bible for yourself and receive the blessing promised to those who will read it. Today, our Bible study leader, Dave Wurtson, takes us into the mystery of Revelation chapter 13. As we join Dave, he is discussing the meaning of the vicious wound that the beast receives and then its miraculous recovery. Let's join him as he continues this study titled, The Counterfeit Christ. What the book of Revelation is describing for us here is the insight into the way that your world really works. And it's saying that you can have individuals that really turn themselves over to evil. And they just believe in themselves. And Hitler is one of those men. And Satan gave him great authority. In fact, miraculous things can happen to them. As we look at the next verse, it says, One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound. But the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. What evidently happened, part of the symbolism here could be that the Roman Empire kind of went into oblivion, and then it's resurrected at the end of time. That's one of the interpretations of the verse. And yet if we read a little bit further, though, later on in the chapter, it talks about this beast being wounded by the sword. And if he's wounded by the sword, somehow he recovers by it. And so I think that we probably have in John's thinking, he is saying, yes, there's going to be a revival of this horrible, beastly nature of world conquest. But I think that John the Apostle is also saying that in the career of the ultimate Antichrist, that as he's given power from Satan, as he's given his place, as he's given his position of authority, somehow he's going to be attacked. He's going to be wounded. And it's going to look like he's dead. Whether or not Bible scholars argue, you know, can Satan bring resurrection from the dead? And that's a debatable issue. For example, when Moses went down into Egypt and Moses threw his rods down, the Egyptian magicians could throw their rods down and make snakes, just the way Yahweh was able to through his prophet Moses. And one of the things we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks is that you need to understand that just power demonstrations are not enough to demonstrate the truth. I'm going to say that again. Power demonstrations, miraculous power. Suppose you went in a field and had somebody call down fire from heaven and just burn up a major portion of a field. Does that mean you just go and do what they tell you to do? Does that mean that you believe what they tell you to believe? No. You have this revelation. Unless it's consistent with this revelation, don't you believe it for a second. Power is not enough to demonstrate truth. And during the tribulation period, Satan's going to pull his trump card. You see, the great proof of Jesus being the Son of God is his resurrection from the dead. Today, one of the major things we want you to believe is that we genuinely believe that Jesus Christ did authentically rise again from the dead. That's why we trust him. And it's very, very important. Right over in 287, a school bus coming from Mansfield, well, not really a school bus, but a bus with kids going to a drama thing down in Houston, hit a car, a truck, right there on 287. When I went over there, there was, you know, the justice of the peace declaring that, that Randy's self was gone, that he had died. And I go right there as his family. You know, right beside 287, we're meeting with a family, his twin sisters, Randy's twin sisters right there. And she just lost her brother, you know, just driving to work, something that I've done a million times, come out of exactly the same place and, and easily just miss it. Just don't look once 
wham, death takes place. Well, who do we pray to in that situation? You know, as we're talking and as the tears flow and as a precious family came off the bus from Mansfield and actually saw it all happen, they were able to share how they lost their own daughter in a terrible accident just like this a few months ago. And this precious lady was able to share how she was able to, to hold Randy and to talk to him, even though he was unconscious. And she wanted to ensure the family that he was given love and he was given comfort at that most horrible time. But I want to ask you, who do you pray to? You know, who do you connect with? Like when they ask me to pray, who do we talk to? We talk to Jesus. And what I find again and again and again as a pastor, that as I do that, you know, you gather hands and you talk to Jesus. And you talk to Jesus about the fact that, that, that he is over death, that he has conquered death. That we can be sure that because if our loved ones trusted in him, that they're going to be home with him. And they were able to share you know, that he had made that commitment. And so it's a totally different atmosphere. We pray to Jesus because Jesus has that kind of power. Do you believe that? See, that's what I want you to understand. That needs to be one of the bottom lines. You see, Antichrist is going to pull a counterfeit of that. Somehow he's going to be wounded as his career starts to gain momentum. And as he rises to power over the world empires. Somehow, evidently, it could easily be like some of our presidents have been attacked and shot at and wounded. For example, we found out like when Reagan was shot at, that he was much closer to death than any of us would have ever, ever imagined. Like a lot of us didn't take that very seriously. And, you know, we didn't think there was any big deal. But he was very close to death. I never forget a freshman in high school when the shot rang out in Dallas. And I remember, you know, being in my history class in, down in Florida in high school when Kennedy got shot. Evidently, Antichrist is going to get shot or get wounded or somehow attacked. And then he's going to miraculously recover. And all the world is going to be awestruck by his power and by his might and by now the fact that he has risen from the dead. And and what John wants you to see is here's the real Messiah, Jesus, that loved us and didn't live for power, didn't live lying, didn't murder people. He was the sinless, perfect Lamb of God And the world won't believe that he rose again from the dead. Now here, during the last year of the tribulation period, Antichrist steps forward. He's lying, he's cheating, he's murdering, he's totally a con. He cons a resurrection. Whether or not he's given power from Satan to rise again from the dead, you know, we'll have to, you know, we'll watch that from heaven if you believe that we go before the tribulation period and we'll find out the answer to that. Whether it's like just a total fake, knowing Satan, what he usually does, it's usually a big con. A big, you know, total deception. And here, all the world won't believe in the real Jesus, but they're willing to accept this false counterfeit. So this guy keeps rising to power. It goes even further about his career. It says who? It said they worshipped. In verse 6, the whole world was astonished. They followed the beast. Men worshipped the dragon because he had been given authority to the beast. And they also worshipped the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? What's going on here? They are actually worshiping this political leader. They're actually worshiping his military power. Now, I sit here and I read that and I say, ah, man, no one will ever do that. Nobody ever does that. Yes, they do. That's already happened. Looking at the career of Hitler again, do you realize that before World War II broke out, that President Roosevelt wrote a letter asking Hitler what his intentions were? in Czechoslovakia, what his intentions were in Poland. 
what the intentions were in the smaller countries of Eastern Europe, because Franklin Roosevelt, the President of the United States, was very concerned about this aggression. Hitler gave a speech to the Reichstag to thousands upon thousands of Germans, and it went across the world over the airways because radio was just coming in. And he talked about how he didn't have the freedom to be the leader of a great country like Franklin Roosevelt with this incredible power and might of America. And he, said, and he also said that, you know, that, that he never said anything as the American culture, or he wouldn't think of saying anything as the American culture tried to work with their Indian problem. And so he related the Indian problem the United States wrestled with to the problem that the Germans were supposedly facing in the Czech Republic. Totally made that kind of a thing. And he went back and forth. He would mock President Roosevelt, and then he would say something nice, back and forth. And they, by the thousands, cheered him. People stood up. And as he would ride in his eloquence, and you've all seen some of those old flicks, those old recordings of him giving his speeches. And to us today, it just looks like it's just a total comedy. But I want you to know, for those of you that lived through World War II, that was no comedy. Here was a man that with thousands of people jammed in stadiums, they would rise to their feet. And it wasn't just a comedy when they went Heil Hitler and they stomped their feet. Those were thousands upon thousands of people saying, he is our man, we believe in him. And the Germans just, just exalted that here was Hitler mocking the president of the United States who thought he was so great and powerful. It was pride. It was arrogance. And I want you to see that that same pride and arrogance can be in our heart this morning. That's what's going on here. They're worshiping their own might. There's some of you men here, there's some of you men that work in business. And some of you have friends out there in business. And I'll just speak to the men for a minute. I think we're more attracted to this. Some of you men are sitting here going, and you think of your, your biblical Christianity goes, you have Jesus on Sunday. Jesus is kind of nice for your wife. Jesus is a nice savior. You know, if, if there's a funeral or something, it's nice to, you know, kind of run to Jesus. But when it comes to making real things happen, like making buildings rise up out of steel and, and uh, building tanks and building jets and building nuclear weapons. Jesus, you know, that, that's not this Bible thing. That's another world. And deep in your heart, some of you might be saying, that's the world that I really live in. That's the world that I think is really important. In other words, David, like, I don't want to get really involved in, in trying to reach people for Jesus, and I don't want to just pour my lifeblood into this Jesus thing, because what I really live for is I want to get out there where the action is, where the power really is, where the might really is. Well, I want you to know what the book of Revelation is teaching us is. That's exactly the spirit of Antichrist. You know where the power really is? The power is in you worshiping the great creator. Just go out and watch. I've often told you, just go out and watch a thunderstorm developing on the Texas Plains. And just put an F-16 next to the developing thunderstorm. And you tell me what the creator of the thunderstorm is going to say about the creator of an F-16. Go out on your mighty ships. Go out on your great big aircraft carrier. And go out into the midst of a mighty hurricane that's blowing at close to 200 miles an hour. And you ride through the storm and then you compare the might of the hurricane, the might of the, of the aircraft carrier. And you tell me, who's really into the power game. 
In fact, all you really need to do is just walk outside. This past week, there's a meteor shower, so somebody might have done this. Just look up and realize that you're looking billions and billions of light years, light coming, with stories and things that Jesus will be explained to us forever and ever. You're going to have to decide, my brothers and sisters, you're going to have to decide. Hitler really believed he was the king of kings. The Wehrmacht, the German Wehrmacht, believed they were the mightiest army that ever marched. They really believed that. And Satan gave them authority. Antichrist didn't believe exactly the same thing. But you know what? Hitler would have never dreamt that he's like a cartoon character. That kids make a joke of him. That he's not that great mighty ruler anymore. He's just a little tiny man with a weird little mustache that committed suicide in a bunker. The one you all just feel right here for a minute. Just feel right there. Go ahead, everybody. That's why you should never worship yourself. Feel that going boom. Feel that? All God has to do is turn that off for just a few seconds. And guess what? Your mouth stops talking. Your brain stops functioning. And I don't care whether you're general, 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 or president, 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 or F-16 pilot, pilot, pilot. Or mighty Bill Gates, billion strong. You're going to be face to face with the real power in the universe. That's what this book is about. That's what this book is about. This Antichrist is boasting great things. He accepts worship. I want every one of you to see the stupidity of ever bowing before a man who has breath in his nostrils. The prophet Isaiah loved to say, why do you ever worship and why are you ever afraid of anyone that has breath in their nostrils I love that expression what, what Isaiah is saying is you need to connect with somebody that breathes breath into nostrils don't bow before someone that is totally dependent upon getting air into their lungs you worship the one who gives the air who created the air who created the lungs that's what this book is about He's saying here that they all worship the beast and all his names. If you look down here at verse 8, it says, All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All those whose names have not been written in the book of life belong to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. Now that looks discouraging, but it isn't. It's really encouraging. What God is saying here is that as Antichrist begins to strut his stuff, as he signs the covenant with Israel, three and a half years later he'd break it, and then we plunge into the three and a half years of the great tribulation period, and then Jesus comes at the end of that. What John is promising those that are going to receive the Messiah during the tribulation period is hang on there, because it only will go so long. There's a scenario that's been written out. There's a, a script that's been written. And it doesn't mean that Antichrist isn't responsible for what he did. It doesn't mean that Satan's not responsible for what he does. It doesn't mean that those that re- respond to Antichrist and don't worship the true Christ, it doesn't mean they're not responsible. But what it does mean is that God is in control, that you can count on him. In fact, I can give you, as you look back through history, it's really interesting. It's almost as if God often only allows things to go in about three and a half, four-year cycles. If you look at major catastrophes, major wars, they only last so long. Antiochus Epiphanes was only able to desecrate the temple for three and a half years. 
The Roman legion, when they attacked Jerusalem, it took from 67 to 70. It's about three and a half years, and that's the Jewish war after Jesus died. You look at World War I, World War II, those kind of periods. And what it's saying, that at the end of time, there's again going to be about a three and a half year period where all hell's going to break loose. But God promises his people, it says, but hang on, because I'm still writing the script. I'm still in control. What does it mean for you as we close today? It means if your name's written in the book of life, I want you to just remember what he promised the Ephesian church. He promised them, I will certainly not blot your name out of the Ephesian church. And so one of the things I want you to do, because you've heard about Antichrist today, is I want you to realize, I want you to, to have great confidence because you've made the right choice. You, if you believed in Jesus, then your name will never, never, never be blotted out of the book of life. I also want you to see that Revelation promised that from the beginning of time, Jesus was slain for us. So what John just told us is that God's plan had been redemption even before there was creation. If you believe in that redemption promised you for Jesus, what is it going to mean for your life this week? What does this mean for us? When I was taught about Antichrist, it's really easy to think about him being way out there in the future and who cares about him. What I want you to get from today, you all that are in education, I want you to be those, like when there's not accurate recording of history. Like I want you as students, I want you to know what really happened in World War II. I want you to really, really know what happened in the Scopes trial on evolution. Don't just watch a Hollywood flick and think you know what really happened in the Scopes trial. I want you to really know what's happening in the field of science today, in the field of biblical studies today. I want you to be men and women of truth. I want you to be men and women that don't follow propaganda. The followers of Jesus shouldn't just bow before propaganda. They should follow truth. We should be lovers of truth. So in education, I want you to be right out there in the schools. I want you to be praising Jesus. All the students, all the children to teenagers. No one's telling you you can't praise Jesus this week in your school. Don't let anyone tell you, like, you can't write reports on Jesus. You can't bring him into conversations. You can do that. You have every right to do that as a student. Your teachers can't do it. We have a lot of school teachers sitting here because they're supposedly representatives of our government. They're not allowed to bring any Jesus stuff in. But all of you students can bring all the Jesus stuff in that you want because of free speech. Do it. That's how you stand against Antichrist. You actually go public for him. You actually bring him to the marketplace. You actually talk about him. Those of you going out into business this week, I want you to think, because I've talked to you today, you're going to have bosses and you're going to have people that work for you that lying, cheating, deception is part of the game. And some of you have decided, you know, I can't do anything about it. Oh, yes, you can. Do you realize if one German businessman would have stood up when Hitler had a big meeting with them and said, I don't believe in your ethics. I don't believe I can trust you. I'm not going to invest millions and millions of dollars of my corporation in backing your party. I don't care what your promises are. If one big German businessman would have done that, there might not have been a World War II. Do you realize that? If you think people can't make a difference, they can. And you can do it this week. You see, this week, you can live for the man of truth. You can live for the man of ethics. You can live for the man that believes in what's really right. You're going to be in business meetings where you have to make decisions. Do you make them based upon ethics 
that are true to this book. What's really right. Ethics that have been true in all cultures down through the centuries. Will you build on that? Or are you going to build on lying deception? You'll either be part of the evil or part of the good. That's where this Jesus stuff really hits the road. Those of you that will be in the military, those of you that are in government, are you just going to worship your power? Are you just going to live for your own career? You know that if one German general, when Hitler met with the German generals, if one German general would have stood up and said, you're wrong. I don't just worship power. I have a higher power. And he is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to swear allegiance to you. I'm not going to bow before you. I will not pledge my troops and myself and all of my strength. I will not pledge allegiance to you because I've already given an ultimate allegiance to Jesus Christ. Do you know that if three or four generals would have stood up in that room, there would not have been 60 million people dead. That's the honest-to-goodness truth. So don't think you can't make a difference. Yes, you can. The neat thing about it is God's running the story. But as we go out this week, we're going to decide which side of the story we're going to be on. I want to be on the side of men like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, an evangelical pastor, who said in the cause of discipleship, if I die, it's going to be Jesus. And he stood before the German people and preached like I preached to you. He preached against the Reich. He preached against the pride of men. He preached against not believing that Jesus was the ultimate Savior. And he challenged his people to reject the Nazis and follow the true Lord and Savior. And he ended up dead. He died in a concentration camp just before the Americans released him. But he goes down in history, not in infamy, but as a man of truth, a man that still is inspiring people today. That's the kind of people I want to be. That's the kind of people I want you to be. And as we leave here today, what we've done today is sobering. The Antichrist is a sobering subject. But I want you to realize that we have not the Antichrist. We have the Christ. And I want you to capture a vision of what can it mean for your life this week, in your school, in your business, in your government position, in wherever the Lord's taking you. What is it going to mean to be a man that follows Christ and never follows the Antichrist? I want you to think through this idea that I get into, well, this is just the real world, you know, and I, it follows other principles. I want you to just rip that away and say, no, my Savior walks with me into my everyday world. And I'm going to be on his side. And as I'm on his side, then I resist the spirit of Antichrist. Father, I just pray that you would use what Antichrist is ultimately going to do in the future to protect us. Oh, dear Lord Jesus, protect my brothers and sisters from this arrogance, from blaspheming you and thinking that, that we are divine in ourselves, forever thinking that we're self-sufficient, forever believing just in power. And oh, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do this as we continue to study the book of Revelation and we see the craziness of evil. We learn today, Lord, that evil is a real thing. Lord, we live in a culture that laughs at it and mocks it and thinks it's just pretend. And yet we see the effects of evil all around. It's tearing apart our families. It's even destroying the lives of some of our loved ones. It's tearing apart our cities. And oh, Lord, I just would pray that the power of your word would help us to wake up. And I'd ask you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move us 
to radically bow before the one who really has power and might and strength so that we can resist these charlatans who goose step across the pages of history and try to win our allegiance and try to win our acclaim. I'd ask you, Lord, that our hearts would be reserved completely and totally for just one Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.